The Greenlight Podcast will see clearly now with Oakley jumping into the podcast game. Head to oakley.com for the greatest shades in the game. Oakley even offers prism lens technology. What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? Head on over to oakley.com and do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me. Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to Oakley.com, O-A-K-L-E-Y, for more information today. Welcome to the Greenlight Podcast. It's another check-in from Montana for you all today. Chris pops on a virtual studio, Jay. Gives you a little rundown on what he's been doing. He talks a little bit of snakes. He talks about the plumbing issues that were fixed. That's right. His bathrooms are back up and running. He's going to talk about some of the guests he has in Montana. And we're also going to run through some NFL topics. Running backs being paid has been a hot issue recently. Chris is going to give his two cents. He's also going to give some flowers to Alex Highsmith for signing his deal. We're going to talk about Zach Martin and his dominance and why he deserves to make some money. And a reminder, today we're picking winners for the Greenlight Playlist sweepstakes. Go to Greenlight Twitter, check out how you can win and enter, and maybe get some cash app money. And we also know it's a long weekend. Pop over to the Facts and the King YouTube channel to watch their first show. It was live on Wednesday, but if you haven't caught the first one, Facts and the King on YouTube and watch the fellas have some fun. Y'all enjoy Los Alamos, New Mexico. Hello! Why do you think? Any guesses? Los Alamos? I have no idea. That's where Oppenheimer got his uh, hands dirty. They tested right. out the uh, A-bomb. So, question is, any of y'all seen it? I haven't yet. I have tickets for I want to do the double feature, though. Double feature? Like where they do... I want to see Barbie and... Yeah, Barbie and Oppenheimer back to back. Is that, is that a thing people are doing? Like, is that? Oh yeah. Because yeah. over forty thousand people have bought tickets for both. Yeah. Uh, they should do an Oppenheimer and then uh, one about the guy who dropped the Enola Gay, and his life would be much <laughs> less interesting. You know, like the beginning of the movie is like, okay, boss, I'm gonna fuck up history, uh, and then the rest of it's just like, oh yeah. I, was the guy that did that uh i've seen some interviews with that cat like in all honesty okay first off you got a three-hour movie right and i'm gonna see it mm-hmm. i think it's gonna be great i'm sure it's gonna be great and thought-provoking and all that stuff but it's a three-hour movie it's just one bomb you know yeah. like really stretching this well, whole thing 15, out I, the, there's a 15 minute sex scene so that's a good percentage 15 minutes yeah Two hours, 45, dedicated to the bomb, 15 minutes to sex. Oh, that's good. Oppenheimer, I'm going to see it. Um, But the question is, Matt, you're the historian. 
Oppenheimer good guy, bad guy. I mean, what makes him I, different than the cat that dropped the Enola Gay? I mean, other than intelligence. I guess that you could argue good just because of the long-standing peace that has occurred from like mutually assured destruction afterwards. Like the nuclear bomb was used, yes, in 1945, but it hasn't been used since then, and there hasn't been a global war since then. Then maybe the reason why is everybody's afraid of mutually assured destruction. But that being said, it does seem dangerous. Big atomic bomb guy, you are. (laughs) 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 Fuck. Uh, anyways, I'm going to see the movie. Uh, I watched a Dan Carlin or listened to a Dan Carlin hardcore history thing on like the actual effects of an atomic bomb. And, uh, I had to turn it off. It was too dark. I was trying to, I like downloaded podcasts for the, uh, for the trip up Kelly and I'm up at like 18,000 feet alone in camp in pitch black, just, you know, like ruminating and listening to a podcast about the atomic bomb. It's not pretty like what happened. So anyways, uh, I'm going to watch the movie. Uh, I'm excited about that movie. And I want to see the, uh, the the Tom Cruise movie. What can you say about this guy? He just keeps making blockbuster movies. He's like my dad's age. He jumps a motorcycle off a cliff and then into a parachute jump. And he actually did it. Yeah. He can do this thing. He could be in diapers doing this. Uh, you know, like if, if it's still good, I'll watch Tom Cruise movies the next 25 years. I don't care. Just keep. I'm making. excited to see the. I'm excited to see the Tom Cruise run. The whatever scene he has where he does the classic yeah. run. Mm-hmm. The hands go yeah. high. The face stays straight. He doesn't move the neck. His torso is dead on. He's got to have the tor- the the Tom Cruise run. I'd like to see Tom Cruise run a forty at every combine like Rich Eisen. <laughs> Maybe side by side. Maybe they could side by side Rich Eisen and Tom Cruise. Yeah, run. with Tom Cruise. Yeah, it hasn't been done yet. Um, okay, so anyways, layup line today. Don't let it bring you down, Neil Young. Don't let it bring you down. It's only castles burning. Find someone who's turning, and you will come around. Probably would have been on the list. I mean, we're talking about our top 10 list of all time. Um, I had this moment of dread because we just. We just did our top 10 favorite songs of all time, subject to change. All that needs to go next to the asterisks because I don't get held to these choices in like a month. Things change. Um, and we, we splice it all together. We've got a, we've got a little, um, I don't know, what would you call it? A little, a little game going, Reed, where uh, people have got to guess uh, whose song's who, their favorite song, and who picked it out of this 50-song playlist. 50 or 60 because it's got both. 70. 70. It's 70. got Bo Allen, Dr. Fax, myself, Kyle Reed, Matt, and uh, Macon, and Macon uh, all submitting 10 songs uh, to this Greenlight playlist. You can find it on the Greenlight Twitter handle. And if you uh, go there, just comment under, uh, under uh, our post about it, and you can say your favorite song from the playlist and which Greenlight personality submitted that song to the playlist. You can guess as many times. If you get it right, we might select you for some cash app money. And, you know, since Neil Young, uh, like, said, fuck this shit, I'm out, Spotify, uh, I haven't been able to listen to him on Spotify, so I'll go through these long spells of one of my favorite artists uh, not hearing him. So, like, it's even better. It's like the Neil Young effect of, like, 
you know, every once a month I'll open my Apple music, even though like yep. the, uh, the quality of the sound is better and all that. Like I can't be bothered to re download every song on my Spotify. Like that's just, that's for retirement. That's for like when my kids are out of that fucking house, but I'll get to listen to Neil Young and this song, not just this song. I love Albuquerque and a few more, uh, probably would have been in the running for the top 10. This song would have been in my top 10. I also mm-hmm. left out Willie Nelson cause I can't decide. It's a tough yeah. exercise, man, picking your 10 it favorite songs. ridiculously hard. hard. Matt and I were saying we had a list of like 50 to 100 on the first draft, and we had to pare well, that down. We'll do more uh, of these because tomorrow, what's going to be really exciting, your today, our tomorrow, there's going to be the reveals. And we're also going to pick the winner who's going to get the cash prize, the couple people who are going to get some cash money. Uh, but like, you're going to get to see whose song is whose and why. And um, Reed made a nice little cut up for everybody with the songs and the people who picked them. Reed and, and Ralph. Yeah. And Reed and Ralph, shout out to Ralph as well. I mean, like we, we can do this more often. I think, I think we should do like another song ranking thing next week. You guys tell Movies. me whether it's like movie rankings. Yeah. But I really like the music cause then people get to hear the music. <laughs> during the the reveal and they get to be introduced songs and that sort of thing so like and it's a lot easier like movie rankings are fucking hard you got to go back and watch them you know like my opinions change on movies five years that's a good point to five years to five years like you know i've probably done a 180 there was a time where i thought 300 was like a film (laughs) you know like like every other dude that grew up around the time i grew up but like now you show me 300 i'm like this is some bullshit I know somebody's gonna get mad, but maybe you haven't watched the movie in a while. There's been a number of movies I've gone back and watched and been like, that does not hold up. Songs, it takes three minutes. Like, so um, I don't know. Maybe you guys pick a a rock and roll band or a genre or a situational uh kind of playlist that we can mock up next week. Maybe the people at home can tweet at us uh and make some suggestions, but we can turn one around relatively quickly. So Maybe an era too. We can do eighties songs, seventies, nineties, all that stuff. Perfect. So and if you want if you want uh some Neil Young music, check out Nugsnet. Uh you can download the app Nugsnet and it's got all live it's like a live music um uh upload app basically. And so it's Neil Young. You can see Neil Young uh live shows from the seventies. There's a sixty nine a show from sixty nine in there. Neil Young, 72, oh, wow. Massey Hall is his best show, probably. And I also would have had Neil Young in my top 10. I would have put Helpless, but alas. Helpless is a great song. Helpless is a great fucking song. Holy shit. Uh, so, yeah, we love Neil Young. He would have been on the list, but, you know, him and Joe Rogan. So, anyways, uh, here are some songs that I that I, I have guesses on. And you guys, because the pod's going to beat the uh, the conclusion of this contest out, um, you guys can just make a face or, uh, t- you know, say, hey, that's a good guess. Uh, but I, I gotcha. read, I'm looking at for what it's worth, Buffalo Springfield. I would say that's got Matt written all over it or Reed written all over it, but that's a very Kyle song, isn't it? It's a very Kyle song. So, uh, <laughs> okay, or maybe Macon. I don't know. Uh, <clears throat> Peace in the Valley, Dawes, that, only Reed. <laughs> Only read. Like, you got a song by Dawes in your top 10. That's read. Um, Stapleton's all Kyle, you know? He decided to to appear like he, he's got, like, a really good taste in country music in this top 10. He left he left the um, uh, the Jason Aldean off, uh, who I can't, we can't talk about Jason Aldean right now. 
Yeah, try that shit on my playlist. <laughs> Nothing but good music here. Uh, you know, like uh, fucking Morgan Wallen's left off the list. So I figured Kyle probably went with something that would garner him a little bit more respect. Uh, I think Chris Stapleton, he just littered it with Chris Stapleton. Um, Bear Actually, Down, a few, Chicago a, a, Bears. A few, a few people picked Chris Stapleton, so no well, spoilers. He's a great artist. More than one. Okay. So Bear Down, Chicago Bears is obviously a big question because it's, it could be Kyle, but it could also be Macon posing as Kyle. There was a time when uh, when Macon used to make me ride in his car and listen to uh, like fight music. <laughs> That was what he played in his car when he wasn't playing his broadcast that he was doing at a high school level. Uh, he, he, his, his play-by-play of high school basketball games, it was band music. So um, Could be Nate, though. Could be Nate. Chicago Bear. Yeah, it could be Nate. Uh, Matt, you're Southern Cross. you got Southern Cross written all over you. Uh, Matt and Reed, there's, there's – like, for instance, Lou Reed – Matt, you're so fucking Lou Reed. It's not funny. It's not funny. Uh, dust on the bottles like a Kyle or a Macon. You know, there's a lot of crossover there. Colin Baton Rouge, I think, is Macon. Um, feel good seems like a Reed or a Kyle. I think it's probably a Reed. Uh, could be wrong. Uh, and then a Millie is probably Kyle. Uh, so, you know, like, there's a lot of these that I feel like I go through the whole list. I feel like I got y'all pegged. Uh, I can't wait to see. I just can't wait to see. I can't wait. I cannot wait to see these socials that are coming out later today, Reed. So, um, looking forward to it. And we'll do more of this. Shout out to Neil Young in the meantime. Uh, okay. Flathead Lake. I'm still here. I'll be here for a while. I'm in Montana. I've had three guests. Some of them expected, some of them unexpected. Some of them not really guests. Uh, first off, yesterday... Uh, I ended up on a hike, a uh, place called Mount Aeneas. You get up to about 7,500 feet. It's awesome. You look down at like these pristine glacial looking lakes. You look at the other side, you got Flathead Lake. You know, I run into a couple mountain goats along the way. The reason I was on that hike was because my buddy Jarrett Payton, uh, who played at the U and played in the NFL, his dad was Walter Payton. Uh, we've gotten close over the years because of the Walter Payton award and just, you know, we got some stuff in common with our dads and that sort of thing. And I just think he's a great guy and he does some media. I mean, he works his ass off in Chicago. He's got a show he's doing where he visits guys that, that, you know, that, that played and catch up with them and had hit me up and said, Hey man, like, uh, I know you're having a baby soon. I don't know if there's a good time. We'd love to do something where we catch up with you. And I said, you know, Jared, it's going to be a while because I'm going to be in Montana. But if you want to come to me, here's where I am. And it's not like a destination wedding where I'm hoping people don't show up. Like, I'd love to see Jared, but this is, is what it is right now. I'm here. And so he's like, yeah, I'll be there. I want to. I want you to take, take me and my guys on a hike. We'll do the uh, interview on a hike. Like, show me what it's all about. And the thing about hikes in Montana, it's not like L.A. Uh, where people are like, yeah, just hike up to the Hollywood sign or like – the hikes in Montana are generally like big hikes, you know, like I'm at 2,800, 3,000 feet. The Mission Mountains run right along the east shore of the Flathead Lake. Um, they gain a few thousand feet in elevation and these mountains go right down in the lake and the lake's like 350 feet deep because of that. 
in a lot of spots. So it's dramatic landscape. You got Glacier Park out past the Mission Mountains. You got the Bob Marshall, the Swan, all that stuff. It's really wild back there. Uh, and Jewel Basin is the area where Mount Aeneas is. So you can Google uh, Jewel Basin. It's absolutely gorgeous. But, you know, it's a six mile drive on a gravel road and your GPS is like you'll be there in 35 minutes. And a lot of people are like, yeah, my GPS is busted. What's up with that? Well, it's because the fucking road is is uphill the whole time and really, really bumpy. Uh, so I felt bad when I got there. The guys, I don't know if they, they knew what they were getting into. It's two Chicago producers and uh, Jarrett. But I got I to gotta tip my cap to these guys. They were feeling the altitude. Uh, one of them was lugging a camera up the mountain. So anyways, uh, I, you know, hand up. I, I definitely took Jarrett and his producers on a hell of a trip up the side of that mountain. But it was great to catch up with Jarrett. Every time I see him, uh, you know, it's just I feel like we know each other, you know, because of some of the things I mentioned. And um, he's just a great guy. He's got a great attitude. You talk about a guy who lost his dad early and his dad's just this larger than life figure. And he, he and his family have done so much with that legacy. Um, you know, Walter created the legacy, but somebody's got to carry that thing with class, with intentionality. Uh, and again, one of the greatest honors of my life, although you guys know this, like, because I talk about it, one of the most uncomfortable honors of my life, because I didn't think I deserved it, was the Walter Payton Man of the Year. And, uh, you know, to be standing on the stage with guys like Kevin Mawai and, you know, like Franco Harris, got to meet him before he passed away, you know a ton of great representatives in our game and to be standing up there being me, I kind of felt unworthy, but Jarrett and his family have been awesome. And I want to keep uh, doing stuff with them because they're always up to something good. And Jarrett's a great, uh, great personality in the media. Check out uh, that interview whenever it drops, uh, I'll get you more information, but I lugged Jarrett up a 7,500 foot mountain and uh, he was definitely feeling it. I will say you probably gave him some false confidence by wearing jeans to a hike. Well, that's the thing about like, the jeans thing. Somebody called me out on the jeans thing. Here's the thing about like, you know, like jeans on a hike. Not that cool, right? But it's it's more of a it's more of a like I do this, you know, like I'm just walking around. I got my dad's boots on which, you know, like I told Jared yesterday, like a lot of people's parents give them stuff, you know, hand-me-downs and that sort of thing. A lot of people might ask me, hey, did your dad give you like a jersey or is there some Super Bowl thing? They're like, no, he gave me, I mean, he's given me some of that shit. But the thing that I covet the most that he gave me was his pair of boots that he crossed the Continental Divide in in the 80s. Like he's city boy. I always want to do something outside. He got these boots. Went over the Continental Divide on horseback with a couple guys and it was a couple day trip and that was out of this world for him. But needless to say, he's not a guy who's in hiking boots a lot. Uh, and he passed them down to me a couple years ago. They got some miles on them, but they're still great boots. Um, the jeans people, thing, Reed, People said you'd never walk in Howie's shoes, and there you go. I'm walking in his shoes right now. Well, actually, yesterday. Today, though, it's Hoka's. So, anyways, I, uh, I, you know, like, the jeans, Reed, it's a little bit embarrassing, but I had to have a belt. When I came down from the mountain yesterday, I passed the gal, and we just were talking about the hike. And she was like, yeah, I was just at the lake over, which is a trail over. And there was a grizz up there, you know, like a good sized grizz. So, you know, like there's a reason I wear jeans is so that I can have a belt, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Because uh, that, that 44 is, is right on the hip. 
Um, and also, like, when two guys from Chicago show up, three guys from Chicago show up, and they're like, okay, guys, in a holster, he's got a holster, he's wearing <laughs> jeans. Like, I can't tell, like, what I'm getting myself into. The jeans looked great, and they they. I was just surprised that you know when they, when Jared probably rolled up, he's like, "Oh, we're just going for a stroll because he's got jeans yeah, on, he, no problem." He, yeah, stroll, but guy's got a big gun on his hip, like you know, like <laughs> it, it, you know, I'm looking up at the mountain, like it was six miles up this hill. Anyways, it was great to see Jared Payton. He wants to come back. Uh, I also have a big visitor this weekend. Drum roll, unless. The missed call I have is is a flake job, but like Ryan Rosillo is coming in this weekend for his Ryan Rosillo Montana Invitational. Did you turn uh, up the Montana heat for him? Did you turn up the? Uh... No, but I did put like a, a name tag on his door. So uh, you know the thing about my house is there's not a bunch of identical looking doorways into your into you know, where you stay at night, so he should be okay. He. Uh, <laughs> We can joke about it because this is the podcast where we, we where we gave you the skinny on what really happened. Again, I want to remind people: a lot of people got on Ryan Rosillo. You guys are fucking idiots. You would have done the same thing if you were shit faced. I mean, it's not a crime to be shit faced. The the, the the party that should be uh, facing criminal charges is whatever Airbnb he booked because the key worked in the the, the next door Airbnb. It's a bunch of identical looking ski lodges and fucking, and he goes to put his key in the neighbor's door and it works. It's 3 a.m. You know how many times I've knocked on the wrong hotel door? You know, if my key worked at the wrong door at the Marriott, I could be Ryan Rosillo. So anyways, um, Rosillo is going to head out west again. Last time he was here, I really dropped the ball on this whole thing. He was staying in a little camper. We couldn't get the power hooked up. Uh, we didn't really have AC for him. Uh, he slept in the kids' room for a little bit. Anyways, this was the trip that a big fire started on the lake. And we were down at this bar I like called the Garden Bar at like one in the morning. We were tying one on, you know, like actually, I've never been as drunk in Montana as I got with Bo Allen. Uh, but I suffice to say, he was drunker than me uh, last, last year. But Ryan uh, and myself going to the Garden Bar a couple of years ago was like a top five Montana drunk night for me. And it just so happened that the fire was blazing miles away. But up here, you're kind of casual about it because it's happening now every year, right? Like, it's just the reality of living in 2023 with the way the climate is and that sort of thing. And some of you are rolling your eyes at me. Try spending a summer up here the last 20 years and seeing the way it's changed. Did you catch the smoke in, in Virginia a month ago in Chicago and New York? Um, that's neither here nor there. Me and Rye are at the bar and my wife calls and she says that the the the, uh, the point is being evacuated because the fire has jumped the highway and I need to come home. The power is out, the whole thing. I got two kids at home with Meg. So so we leave the bar. We got a driver that night because you can't get a cab. Like the, the only other times that like whenever I get stranded in Montana, I stay for one too many. And then you go outside and there's nobody there like you're fucked. Like I'm 35 miles from my house. Me and my buddy Martin had to walk on the highway at two in the morning one night for like an hour and a half. You know, there's nothing worse than being drunk, losing your buzz, having nowhere to go, being far away from your bed. We, we hitchhiked, for God's sake. So you got to have a Vietnam vet actually picked us up. It was pretty badass. He was like out of a movie. Uh, but, but we had a driver that night. So we ended up getting in the, in the car with the driver. And we got to drive up the East Shore Highway, and it's going to be like an hour. We get 45 minutes in. And there's no roads except for the one. And they blocked it off because the fire has jumped 
the interstate or whatever you want to call it. And when I tell you I'm looking at like one of these fire movies, like that's what it looks like. It's fucking insane. There were 15 houses that went up uh, and, and, and got lost that summer. We had to turn around and drive around the entire 26 mile lake. We didn't get home till four in the morning. I woke up in the morning with the worst hangover I've ever had, sweating my ass off because the power was out. It was 100 degrees at night that weekend. And I woke up to helicopters and fire planes circling the point. I walk outside. It's eerie. You can't see a half mile in front of you. And knowing that everybody is off the point but us uh, was, was, the, was the cherry on top. So that was like the worst trip. We're going to see if we can... We can do better this time for Uncle Rye. He'll be here this weekend. Another guest, I can't really call him a guest because he didn't come over, but I got a text from uh, Anders the last day. Uh, this is crazy. This is like a week or two ago. He sends me a picture. He's like, guess where I am? And it's a picture of the lake. And I'm like, uh, I'm like, well, it must be a lake I know, huh? And he's like, it's a, le a lake you know very well. And I'm like, you realize I'm here, right? Like, you can't send me this picture and us not, now not hang out. I'm like, when you leave? And he's like, I, I got to leave in the morning. So I thought there was a bit of a code break by my new buddy Anders um, in not hitting me up earlier. I can't tell if that was like, a, hey, I just want you to know that maybe next trip, you know, like sometimes when you're not ready to hang out with somebody on a trip, you're like, hey, just so you know, we go to the same lake and we will hang out in the future. I want to set that up, but not today, bro. I thought that's kind of what happened. He he really dropped the ball. All all he had to do is take a picture of a house, you know, any kind of house, and just text it to you and say, "Hey, guess where I am? Your mom's house on Flathead Lake." <laughs> That's pretty good. I would have told him his mom was wearing his mom wears a calamari toe ring. Uh, <laughs> this guy, me and me and Honors met telling mom jokes on Twitter. I'm still firing him off, but he's left the website, so they're just like unanswered. They're just like buried in my. My replies. So, anyways, couple guys up in Montana got to hang out with one of them so far. Ryan's coming in this weekend, so can't wait to see Ryan. Maybe we'll do a pot. I don't want to. I don't want to get out over my skis here, Reed. But anyways, baby's great. We're back in the house. Uh, plumbing is restored, but the first two nights because it, it, you know, the plumbing got fixed on a Saturday. We had to do it like couldn't find a plumber. Did it kind of in house. My buddy Rob, shout out to Rob fixed it um and then you know like there was a big hole into our crawl space for two days so i decided to familiarize myself uh with uh, the snakes of montana considering the fact that i have a battle currently waging uh down at the, the shore i talked about the snake nest i might have they still haven't found it but they've killed like three four snakes um they're actually prairie garter snakes, not to be confused with terrestrial or common garter snakes. But with that whole issue brewing down at the lake, I have this open gaping hole in my, um, in my crawl space. And, you know, I've always had this fear of like snakes swimming up a toilet, right? So one night I'm sitting there and I'm on an edible and I'm like, I'm so, I'm watching Planet Earth 2, by the way. David Attenborough, I got the snakes on the phone. I'm, I'm familiarizing myself with the, the snakes of this state, okay? Um, then thoughtlessly, I go to take a, a deuce, and 20 seconds in, I damn near lift off the toilet because I'm like, I thought I heard something. Like, it's just in my head. Like, you know it happens, right? Like, the snakes swim up toilets, and so I'm doing research. I'm like, what do I have to do? Because I've had this hole in my crawl space. 
guys online say snakes swim up toilets when you have a vent on your roof. Uh, they actually get through the roof vent. So if you have a roof vent and you live in a house that's got overhanging trees, like kind of land bridges for these snakes, you need to look into that. Um, and, you know, I don't even know if, it, like, prairie garter snakes, I looked at it. They travel 17 kilometers at times between hibernicula, <laughs> is that the word? Hibernacula and summer range. So I'm not even sure where the nest is. I don't even know if we're going to get this thing fucking squared. But uh, snakes crawl up toilets. I'm worried about that. It's always been a fear of mine. I like to shit in the morning and at night. And, like, you got to watch out for the crepuscular snakes, the dawn and dusk snakes. Um, so, like, imagine I have one of these suckers swim up the uh, uh, up the toilet if my vent's not properly closed. Like, it was the first thing I did. It was get on the fucking roof the next day. Um, so, you know, like, I think about things like this. Did you actually if, get if on the I, roof? Yes. If I live in a compromise, <laughs> the vent's good. If I live in a compromised, like, environment, like if I live in one of these Floridas, uh, I would shit like I lived in Mumbai. You know, I'd be like a <laughs> Mumbai dumper. Because if you look up where people take the most out in the open dumps, is actually, um, there's actually a term for it. I want to find it real quick. Open defecation. Uh, yeah. They lead the league. You know, like Indonesia's up there. But, like, if I lived in Florida or one of these places, um, I would shit outside. Like, I'm not taking a chance. Like, the fear is gripping me. And we're talking about a 32-inch prairie garter snake. Like, and I, like, I don't even have a vent. It's just in my head. Like, when I go to Florida, no bullshit. I ask for the penthouse. And that has nothing to do with the amenities. has everything to do with gravity. Because, like, I've never seen one of those fuckers swim up to the penthouse. Like, it's just a big fear I've always had since I was a kid. I used to sit on the toilet and worry about snakes, and now it's very real to me. So uh, I'd be up there, like, you know, like, if I lived in Florida and I wasn't in a penthouse, I'd be, like, a hovercraft, like, you know, just hovering above the toilet, ready to get off. So, I mean, like, I, that's what I've been dealing with. I've been educating myself on the snakes of Montana, which, by the way, there are, I think, 10 of them, as opposed to 30 in Virginia, 30 in Virginia, Three poisonous. Can you name Matt? I'm not going to ask Reed. The three poisonous snakes in Virginia. Copperhead is definitely one. Uh, that's the only one I know. Rattlesnake, maybe. Copper, I don't know. So cop. Yeah. So timber rattler, which is actually one of the most poisonous snakes in the country. I think timber rattlers are actually more poisonous than some other rattlesnakes that you find out west. Um, co copperheads. You gotta watch out for the babies, and they're the ultimate like don't give a fuck snakes because they they just lay in the driveway. Most snakes get out of the way when you make noise, not copperheads, uh, and then cottonmouths, okay, right. which are found in the southeastern part of the snakes. But some of the hillbillies in my area will tell you I've seen a I've seen a cottonmouth at Sugar Hollow. I don't believe you, but anyways, the snakes in Montana are pretty chill. I found out you've got the hognose snake, you've got the gopher snake, you've got the prairie rattler. Uh, which is actually the bad one, but they don't have them on my side of the lake. Racer snakes, uh, garter snakes, common prairie terrestrial, green snakes, and then rubber boas. I'm going to get to them in a second. Okay. So most of the snakes I found out in Montana are actually huge pussies. Most of them are just trying to act like rattlesnakes. Like the gopher snake um, tries to act like a rattlesnake. It, it, it usually strikes with a closed mouth. It's a total, it's a total pushover. Uh, and, and, and actually what's interesting about this snake read is it tries to rattle to sound like a rattlesnake to, to, to fend off. And 
they actually found out that, that gopher snakes in areas that don't have a lot of rattlesnakes don't do it. So it is mimicry. Um, same Copy thing with the, hog, the hognose, softy. Hognose, hognose snake looks terrifying. Kind of looks like a rattlesnake. You wouldn't know the difference maybe. But they play dead with their tongue out, like they're total pushovers. Racer snakes are actually kind of frisky. Um, they'll writhe. They'll defecate. Uh, they'll secrete a foul-smelling musk from their cloak eye. So, like... I've learned a lot about snakes. I'm not real afraid of the snakes here anymore. It's been a good process for me. Uh, but the rubber boa is the one that I want to find. You guys need to Google a rubber boa. This, thing, this snake is one of the most interesting snakes I've ever seen. It's secretive, it's slow moving, and it's totally docile. Evidently, they've never bit a human being in the history of rubber boas. Like, yeah, so um, they're like two feet long. They're, you, you can find them in the forest under overturned rocks. So um their best defense is actually just their secretive nature um when when dr fax gets out here maybe we can get him in the woods to look for some of these bad boys you know uh but like bottom line is no snakes in the toilet plumbing's done uh the fear persists uh and now i'm like a herpetologist because i was reading about snakes for like four hours the other night like all this shit i could be doing with my life when I finally get the kids down at 9.30, 10 at night, and, and the wife goes to bed, uh, I'm not doing anything worthwhile. I'm just Googling snakes. I'm so excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Express your style and build a look that's made for you. You all know I spend a good bit of time on the river and in the woods, and I need something that protects the eyeballs but gives me a clean, fresh look. Oakley's are changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, train? Just want to look like your favorite athlete like, uh, I don't know, Lamar Jackson, Debo Samuel, uh, Justin Jefferson? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakley's today. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses allowing for an extension of self, there's more than meets the eye. Here on the show, we're all about looking good and playing good and that's why Oakley is the perfect partner for us. We don't leave our house in the morning without our Oakleys. And since it's officially almost summer, you need to upgrade your sunglasses game now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair today. I rock the Sutro TIs because they have a solid style that fits my work play way of life. They look great when I'm in the field at softball and I'm on the river enjoying a float, but they also come in clutch whenever I need to look professional. Oakley even offers prism lens technology. What the hell is that you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? Head on over to oakley.com and do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me. Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com, O-A-K-L-E-Y, for more information today. So two things. First off, I heard Bad Back Backy joined us the other day on the pod. A lot of I fun. haven't listened, but I, I bet it was fun. He's great. We should have one more, honestly. Uh, and, then, uh, and then we've got a, a brand new show. I mean, you guys heard uh, the first swing at it, Fax and the King, with uh, Dr. Fax and Bo Allen. Um, you know, the other week, you know, they were, uh, they were, they were green lighters one Tuesday and now they're going to have their very own show. Uh, and it's out what every Wednesday read. 
every Wednesday on YouTube. Check it out, Facts and the King. You know, you can also listen on on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everywhere. But check out the video because they they get pretty animated. Yeah, they're a fun group. That's a fun little grouping, man. As soon as Facts and Bo met, I was like, yeah, we got to do something with these two. <laughs> like, it's just the the synergy is great. So uh, check that out. Uh, give them a chance. Um, and you know, we, we've got more shows coming up. Uh, coming down the pipe soon. I don't want to say the pipe because it makes me think about snakes. Uh, but, like, we've got some more shows coming soon, and we're pretty excited about them. So uh, check that out, and uh, let's talk football. I mean, the running back thing has kind of dominated the news cycle this week. This podcast is brought to you by Cash App, the ideal app for spending, sending, and setting easy-to-track savings goals. Personally, I love using Cash App savings tools whenever I'm planning a family vacation. I just took my first family vacation as a father. We went to Italy, Kate, myself, and the baby. But keeping track of all our expenses can be tricky. And it was. But it wasn't as tricky with Cash App because when all the prices are in euros, nobody knows what the hell's going on. So when we're renting a scooter, getting an espresso, or sitting down to a course of the Tagliatelle, Cash App had us covered with a separate account that let me track spending and set goals. So whether you're saving up for a trip, a rainy day, or a sunny life, Cash App has the easy tools to help you take control of your money and financial life. Download it for free in the App Store and Google Play and see why it's the number one finance app in the U.S. App Store. Good news. The Thursday show we do with AMP will continue 4.30 every Thursday. The Greenlight Team, Cowboy Reed, Fax, Kingston, uh, I'll pop through there sometimes. On AMP, you can interact with us really easily. There's a call-in button. We invite call-ins all the time. You can talk directly to us, ask us questions, ask us our favorite music. We might even play some. There's also a live chat during the show. If you have a question about a topic we're talking about, fired off in the chat, we'll answer. We're gonna be uh, we're gonna be doing what we've been doing all fall, uh, every Thursday at 4:30 on AMP. Uh, check us out. So let's talk about the running back thing because that's been the you know the entire uh, news cycle this week with the NFL. Um, you know what I think is that this is one of those situations where I read all the tweets, I I, I see what's happening to the running back position. Uh, we've talked about it before; it's nothing new. But I feel bad for them. Like these guys take a beating. Some of them are great players, and you know it feels like to them that they're not getting. Uh, compensated for the work that they do, or at least committed to. Because I think maybe what we're conflating here a little bit is, you know, our team's willing to pay running backs. Yeah, they are, but on their terms. Uh, they don't want to commit to running backs. And I think that's the toughest part is, like, a lot of the counter arguments to these guys make a lot of sense. You know, like, as I sat down and was like, where do I really stand on this? When Austin Eckler comes on the show and he's complaining about his situation – I'm sympathetic. I'm like, Austin Eckler's a great player. He caught 100 balls last year. Uh, he, he run the ball to the backfield. Like, he's more than just a running back. You know, when somebody like Saquon Barkley gets tagged, when Josh Jacobs, who's gone for 1,400 and 10 touchdowns the last four years, doesn't get a new deal, you feel bad. But when you sit down and look at it, like, objectively, and I take my heart out of it, it's hard to make an argument for why under the current setup people would be doling out more guaranteed money, bigger deals, longer deals to running backs. Like, you know, it's funny. I remember a time online where it was totally uncool to 
to pull for running backs to get paid. If you said, hey, this running back should get paid, you'd get shouted off stage. You'd get shouted off the timeline. I mean, Matt Miller yesterday was like, they burned him at the stake. He was like a witch, and people were just standing by and watching. And I was like, poor Matt, because this is not, you know, a, a thought that only a few have. Uh, you know, I can remember in 2019 when Zeke got paid for like two years, it was like a meme. His contract was constantly talked about as this eyesore that was holding the Dallas Cowboys down. And it was a roadmap of what not to do for teams in the future. And, you know, like that lasted a couple of years. You had 2020 where Kamara got paid. And, I, you know, I love Alvin. I think he's a great player, but it's not like the Saints have been very successful. I'm not blaming that on him. You know, that adds ammunition to these people that say don't pay running backs. If you look at Christian McCaffrey, uh, yeah, a team was willing to part ways with a lot of assets to go and get him. But the 2020 contract was looked at as a joke, right? Like the team wasn't there yet. This wasn't going to make them better. It wasn't going to put them over the edge. Um, so like all we've had, whether it's Todd Gurley, who's my guy, and I think he was extremely special, but the injury slowed it down for him, uh, or Le'Veon or like any of these situations since 2019, if you really look at them, nothing's changed. But the temperature in the room yesterday changed completely when all the running backs went from their group text to like entering the room and then people got real quiet. Matt Miller decided to say what everybody had been saying, you know, with no repercussions for years and he got burned at the stake. So I feel for Matt Miller, but I ask uh, what has changed since 2019 for the people that are standing on the table? Because you, obviously I feel bad. I've made that clear. I think running backs are valuable in the right situation on the right team. Uh, but I can't blame owners and coaches and GMs under the current setup for not committing five years uh, to a player in his prime at like 24, who, who probably is going to fall off a cliff. Like most of the good ones, Derrick Henry's an exception. Frank Gore's an exception. Not everybody um, lasts as long as these guys have or did. So like Gore, Henry, they don't negate this fact. You can't, you can't slip me one or two anecdotes and win the argument. Um, add to the fact that the game is is increasingly more of a passing game. And the fact that, as I mentioned earlier, running backs, the better you are, the more you're going to get used up. Like the guys who should get paid are not going to be that good for that long. Uh, and, and the fact that, like, if you go down a roster offensively, really all over the field, and you were you were trying to pinpoint which player – is probably the most dependent upon the functionality of the offense for their success uh, and can be the biggest benefactor of the success of an offense is probably running back. I mean, quarterback is a straw that serves a drink, but when it comes to these other positions that are like luxury, I don't know if running back's the position that can overcome dysfunctionality in an offense. So a bad team with a bad offensive line that's got a fucked up run game and no passing game, like why would you pay a running back? You know, I think that's why you see some of these teams that are a player away, like a San Francisco 49er uh, team, making a big push for a guy like Christian McCaffrey. And listen, like Odell Beckham's supposed to make $18 million this year. Okay, he could make $18 million this year. The guy's barely played. I know it seems unfair, uh, but nobody's running around the last couple of years saying Lamar needs a running back. Right. Like, right? So, yeah. you know, like he needs somebody in the passing game and that's where the league's gone and the center of the offense is the quarterback. And it generally goes in some in some order protection, 
uh, somebody in the passing game to present an option for a quarterback and then a running back. And that's usually how teams are built now, right? Like the running back to me is a luxury at the level of the guys that we're talking about that would command this kind of money. Now, I'm not saying I wouldn't pay Saquon. I would pay Saquon. I don't know if I'd pay Josh Jacobs. Uh, so it varies player to player. Shanahan started all this in Denver. I mean, uh, Florio pointed this out in an article in Pro Football Talk. Reed, your Broncos were were kind of the uh, at the forefront with this thing where, you know, post Terrell Davis, you know, they, they plugged in whoever they had to plug in. And it was it worked because they had that zone scheme and everybody was on a string and it worked in unison. And you get a good one cut runner that's that's solid. That guy can can do work in an offense like that. You know, his sons continued that trend as well in San Francisco. I mean, look at some of the guys that have that have popped for him that you've never heard of. So with the running backs, I think I think that the part of the argument that um, that people are getting hung up on is like, you know, the argument that running backs shouldn't get quote unquote paid conflates and, and due to durability concerns, it conflates contract length with contract value. So um, like all the data is there, like these, you know, running backs, like linebackers, they can fall off a cliff any moment. Like you said, you know, Henry Gore, Adrian Peterson, they're anomalies. Um, but and I think this is what these running backs who are, who are kind of speaking out or getting at is okay. Even if, even if that's true, we should still get paid for what we're worth in terms of the production and for those top tier guys the skill sets they bring to the table. Like you mentioned Eckler, what he can do in the passing game. McCaffrey's the same way. Barkley, all those guys. Um, so I think that's that's kind of at the heart of the issue is the way the NFL system is set up is guys are paid based on where they stand within a positional market as opposed to what they're actually worth um, as far as their production and their skill sets go. And, and and that's the problem. Uh, I mean, like, you know, we're going to talk in a minute about going more positionless because I think that's something you see in other sports. But like running backs, not only not the only position is getting dicked uh, in this whole process. Like Nolan, you and I were talking about this earlier. Travis Kelsey, tight end position, uh, underpaid. They could make a great case for this. You know, uh, tight end Kelsey's you know, probably in the running to be the greatest of all time. I mean, whether you think it's Anthony Gonzalez or Gronk or Kelsey, and he's been instrumental in them winning titles. Um, you know, the, the, he gave them the ability to totally scrap what they were doing offensively and morph into something completely different and then go win a title with some guys right. on the outside, that, like, you know, found pieces. Um, you know, he's making 14-3 a year. Okay, he's he's averaging 30 less yards a, a season than Tyreek Hill, who used to play with him. Now, Hill has like 1,700 yards all-purpose all year. So, like, I don't know what Travis's all-purpose yardage is, but the guy is making $16 million less than Tra than, than Tyreek Hill. Uh, and, and they, they you know, the production is very similar. Uh, and, and you can't say, well, it's a passing league because the tight end is a huge part of that. So it's not just tight ends. I mean, like Lane Johnson makes $5 million less than Laramie Tunsil. Uh, I think Lane Johnson is the best tackle in the game. How much of that is being a right tackle? Right tackles and left tackles, you know, the back and forth on that. Um, fullbacks are sitting home watching like I have no fucking sympathy. Like, dude, like we're buried. So the solution, I think, and Nolan, you, you bring up a great point. The solution, 
I've seen a lot of solutions floated, like pay the rookies more, you know, so the guys get more money front loaded in their careers. Because like you talk about tight ends, you can't quite equate the problem because tight ends are, are, are more liable to, to accrue like three, four deals over the course of their career. Yeah, right, you know, yeah. running backs have a shorter shelf life. So, uh, you know, it's even though it's it's a com- comparison, it's not the same. And I think that's why we're talking about running backs. But like paying rookies more, I think, you know, you'd see teams drafting even less running backs. You know, you'd Although say we like, did see we did see two running backs drafted in the top twelve last year, so clearly teams still think of that as a valuable position, even though they they don't still pay. value that position. They do, and they, and yeah. like honestly, like we talk about the value of the position. Like I think the value of the position has had an uptick in the past couple of years. It was like people thought, hey, we don't need a running back at all to win. And when you talk about one of the last fourteen Super Bowl winning winning uh, teams, their leading rusher making over two and a half million dollars in only one out of those 14 scenarios. That's Marshawn Lynch. Like everybody else is wow. like the perfect running back for a, a Super Bowl winning team is like a LeGarrette Blunt, right? Mm-hmm. Like we had LeGarrette and he was making a couple mil a year and he was a huge part of the offense. But if you look at it, like the teams that are winning don't need these high paid running backs. Um, that is a fact. So like paying the, the rookies more like that could that could probably get a little messy, like because, you know, we took two running backs in the top 10 as a league this year. But maybe that changes if, you know, um, you're trying to front load the dollars through the draft uh, incentives like people have talked about incentives. Well, I think incentives are good. Like last year, you look at the NFL, I think, gave out three hundred thirty six million dollars in incentives uh, performance based top 25 earners. Uh, no running backs. So like incentives could be better, yeah. but incentives alone are not going to solve this problem. They would balance the workload problem though. Like the one thing is when you have that good young player who's really good, you want to give them as many reps as possible right now under the current system. If there was more incentivization, it would also disincentivize teams to overuse a young player. Exactly. So it might balance the workload, but teams will artificially doctor you know, how much money you're able to, to earn. We go through this at every position, like play time incentives, you know, sacks, that sort of thing. And teams are pulling guys. You know, you could see that with running backs. Um, I think the solution is going more positionless. And Nolan talked about this. Uh, look at the NBA, Matt. I mean, like, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm no expert. But when I always hear these guys talking about what does this team need, you don't say, I need a two guard. I need a three. I need I need a three and D guy. I need somebody that can can guard a big. I need somebody that can shoot like these are skill sets. They're not positions. And I think, um, you know, when you talk about that, that that should be the direction that that the NFL goes. I mean, you talk about like when we used to run sprints, like because Nolan used to work in the NFL. So he used to watch the guys run and that sort of thing. Like it was big. uh, It was skill. And it was quarterbacks, and th- those were the times. And on yeah. defense, same thing, three levels, levels of defense. Offensively, you know, guys are coming in based upon those three buckets. And I think, like, paying people according to those three buckets would, would kind of streamline a lot of things. Like, you wouldn't have uh, Josh Jacobs making the same amount, and I talked about the statistical output he's had the past four years, as an Alan Lazard or, or right. a Jacoby. Who, who are good for like six, 800 yards a year and five touchdowns. Now, I know it's a passing league, but there's something wrong there because the output is the output. Going positionless, I think, can, can, can generally help. I mean, the value 
uh, in today's NFL for these players is already reflected on the field. Like, look at Derwin James. Look at Buda Baker. Look at Micah Parsons. A lot of people don't think about Micah Parsons that way, but the motherfucker is positionless. Mm-hmm. Like, on a, you know, and that's that it, it just his value c- compounds because of that. So, like, we talked about Kyle Shanahan earlier and the way the Shanahans have shaped this deal. He has three guys that are positionless, and he's talked openly about this. Nolan pointed this out. Uh, he was recently on a podcast, The Play Callers. It's a good podcast, evidently very interesting, take, you know, take you behind the curtain with the way these guys think. Um, you know, he talked about this very thing. He said, like, the, I have three guys who are positionless. I mean, like, the, when I thought about adding these guys, I was adding skill sets, like strengths, things that they can do, not I need a receiver, I need a slot, I need a tight end. So, like, having these positionless players is becoming more in vogue. And I think we should we should classify, uh, you know, the contract process through these funnels because it would make it a lot easier. And then you go off production. And, you know, a lot of people I've said this before, like a running back is like a back to the basket center. I don't think so, because like back to the basket centers don't exist anymore. Right. Like if a guy can't run the floor, if he can't shoot, he's not going to be on the field. You know, back to the basket center is probably more like a fullback. Uh, And and, and and that's more gone extinct. Yeah, it's like that's a dinosaur right there. But when you mm-hmm. talk about now, there's the use checks of the world, like there's your Komodo dragons of the world, which yeah. have dinosaur DNA, but they've had to adapt. <laughs> the running backs are they've already adapted. The game is changing around them. And what you're seeing and I wonder if there's any 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 parallel to be drawn here with the NBA. But like in the NBA, I still think there's a bunch of stiffs playing center. Right. There's still a bunch of guys who are limited. They're not back to the basket guys. But what they are is they're not Jokic, they're not Embiid, they're not, I don't know, Bam Adebayo probably yeah. on the edge of that classification. You still need like one big on your roster to like, in case the other team has a bruiser, you need to be able to guard them like just in case. But and you need a four minute mode back. Yeah. You need a short yardage back. Like, so, right. so, you know, when it comes to the guys that get paid, you look at the center position, those guys are getting paid because you know, their worth reflects in their play. Like if a guy can shoot, if a guy can can pass, if he's if he can run the floor, like, you know, there is a spectrum here. And if those guys are on the right side of that spectrum, they're going to get paid. And I think it should be the same thing with running backs. Like if you look at the top yeah. three players at every position, we've seen these lists circulating. The top three players at the running back position are superstars. And yeah. in the NBA, superstars get paid. And it's just, it should be the same way with the NFL. And, you know, like um, the rest of them, they might be your, your zoo box or your fucking, I don't know, like I don't want to slander anybody, but like they might be your guys that are more specialty guys. And that'll be reflected in the contracts that they accrue. So I think there is some commonality when you look at the NBA, you look at some other sports with positions. But I think the biggest the biggest travesty here is that it's a problem that everybody wants to solve, but the evidence is stacked against the people that want to solve it. And I would include myself in that category. So I think the NFL to take my like um, my right brain hat off and put my left brain hat on. Look at look at jersey sales. Okay, like in the top 10 generally, it's a lot of quarterbacks, great defensive players, that sort of thing. But littered in the top 50 are guys like Saquon Barkley and Alvin Kamara. Mm -hmm. 
and, and running backs like that. Like, look at how much money the NFL makes off of, of, of running backs. Like, so they're underpaid on the field, you could argue. But, you know, off the, off the field, they're even more underpaid. Like, these guys are flag bearers for the NFL. They are, like, one of the few throwback positions where the game has not changed. In fact, it's probably gotten more physical and more violent for them. And, you know, they, they do carry the flag for the league and, and they do sell jerseys. And by the way, I looked this up. I don't know if it's true or not, but I didn't know this. I saw a few Chris Long jerseys back in the day. You know how much players make off of a single jersey sale? One and a half percent. And then that pie gets Ooh. divided. I had to read it three times. So I was like, what? It gets divided again between the player and the NFLPA. Now, I don't know if that's per jersey. So if you're like Saquon Barkley, you get 0.75 percent, uh, three quarters of a point on a hundred dollar Saquon Jersey, but it just speaks to the fact that these guys generally are not seeing, but a fraction of the pie. And this is a position that's not like guard. It's not like tackle. That's very valuable to a football team. You could argue that the value is up for debate, but the value to the sport is very high. The star power, the, the, the visibility and the way these guys go about their business, man, like a guy like Saquon Barkley, is a fucking model citizen. He's playing in the biggest city in America on a team that's storied, uh, that has a ton of passionate fans. And he's making the same amount as a fucking, I don't know, a third guard somewhere. You know, like, and he's not seeing any of the profit on his effect on the game off the field either. So I just look at this whole thing and I'm like, it's a shame. These guys are stars. They should get paid like stars. I do. I do want to add this caveat here because I don't think going positionless is going to do it um, all by itself. I think you got to get creative. And I, I did see this this cat for SB Nation wrote this article back in April. Um, James Dater. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm saying his name correctly, but I, I, I kind of had this idea and I floated to you guys about, a, you know, a cap exempt fund. That's like an emergency fund for the state of the game right now. Like running backs are getting fucked. We, we see the problem. There's not really a solution under the current structure. Maybe we should add in a wrinkle like a cap exempt fund that teams have an opportunity uh, once in some period of time to dip into four running backs. And, you know, I hadn't thought about it to this extent, but this guy, James for SB nation had talked about the, you know, the flexibility as the game changes, if tight ends become, uh, you know, extinct or they're a threatened species, then you dip into that fund for those guys. But right now that fund needs to go designated to running backs. You have a fund that you dip into once every three, four years that you have the ability to, to activate that, that fun and and you go on your way and you make up the difference uh because the, the for most of these teams the 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 issue is not cash you know like cash is available these guys are rich now Eckler and Joe Mixon might get fucked because they play for teams that aren't real cash um happy but like think about how easy this would be to do you know the one position on the field that's probably going to get dinged the most that has value but we can't decide on how much should be paid um, according to their superstardom and their production on the field. And this is the way to do it. You got to get creative. I, I think you got to go positionless and then you got, you have to add another wrinkle in as well. I like it. I could see getting rid of the franchise tag for running backs too. give them a little bit more flexibility. 
I mean, that that's one that's like the basics, right? People have been screaming about the tag for a long time. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's on the table because, you you know, these 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 folks still want to have control of players. But uh, but I think you got to get creative. So um, I do feel for running backs, um, but they're they're kind of up against it when you look at the evidence. And that's what's tough. What do you think of J.C. Treader saying uh, that I can't? recommend faking injuries at least publicly about running backs that he can't recommend it yeah he, he was he was basically talking about running backs um their uh, longevity and, and not being paid um but uh when he was asked about running backs frustrations um he said he couldn't recommend faking faking injuries publicly but he didn't exactly rule it out right yeah well jc would be I mean, his pro football focus grade would go down if that big motherfucker is not in the backfield. So, I mean, listen, it's going to be interesting to see what running backs do. Like these guys, again, are stars. They have huge reaches. Um, If they kind of take like an activist mindset in this whole thing, I don't think they're going to get a lot of public support because you're still paid a lot of money to play a game. Uh, But when it comes to the fairness in the market, and the market needing to correct itself, like they could take some extraordinary measures. Like maybe you'll see guys not show up to camp. Maybe it'll be one of these things where they got to get behind closed doors and there'll be guys that cross the picket line and don't. I don't know if they have the the wherewithal to do that. I don't know if guys are, especially with their short earning potentials and the state mm-hmm. of the position already. Like imagine being like, I'm going to walk out. I think most, most owners would be like, okay, so there's no good running backs in the league. <laughs> All right, I'll pay. Uh, I'll pay. You know, the muscle hamster or like some derivative of that guy. You know, like um, I don't know what they do. That was another interesting point. A couple of people pointed this out on Twitter that a lot of the public support was for the billionaire owners, rather who were making millions off of the players, rather than the millionaire running backs who are fighting for a little bit in this short window that they have to earn. There's a dynamite segue into the next topic, which is the the hard knocks thing. The fans like seeing players squirm a little bit, dude. Like, and that's why this hard knocks thing, the Jets came out and said, they don't think it's humane. It's like they're fucking Dr. Fax at the turkey farm right now. <laughs> uh, they don't think it's humane that, uh, you know, players are, are, are getting cut on camera and hard knocks and like, little bit of background here. Joe Douglas used to be the Grim Reaper in Baltimore, like the guy that used to, you know, come get your playbook. We used to call him the Grim Reaper. I guess they called him the Turk. And I knew that, but it's important to remember it in this context because he is the GM and he's kind of like the head honcho over there along with Sala. And if they're saying, you know, we don't want to cut guys on camera, it's one of two things. You know, it's most people's guess would be, that you know they're it's gamesmanship they don't want hard knocks they want to make it a pain in the ass for the nfl so they're saying we're not going to cut players on camera now i don't know if the nfl has any recourse there uh the other hypothesis is the one i just listed that like joe douglas has ptsd from you know ending guys careers uh and doesn't want to do it on national tv and i totally get that if that's the case because you know, like when you talk about a reality TV show, you talk about like The Bachelor, you talk about like real world road rules, like whatever. Fuck. I don't watch them. But you talk about this stuff. Most people opt into this stuff, right? You're opting into right. something where the final product and your share of the profits hinge on your full participation, right? Like you are the show and this moment is the show. Like somebody having a meltdown, it is the show, right? We just talked about this with Hard Knocks. 
juxtaposed to the Netflix special on quarterbacks. Netflix special on quarterbacks, they kid glove that stuff. Like, you have control over it if you agree to be on that. Hard Knocks largely, you don't have to get cut to get embarrassed on Hard Knocks. Okay, like, you could get pancaked. You could break down. You could yell at a coach. You could get in a fight at practice. Um, there's a whole host of things that could embarrass you and turn your, your life upside down. Because in today's day and age, like you catch a stiff arm from Derrick Henry, they're going to be memeing you for 10 years. You're going to be Josh Norman floating through an, you know, a blank Adobe background. So like shit has changed. The stakes are already high. Why do we have to cut these guys on TV? This hard knocks them. They, they stand to gain nothing. It's not road rules. It's not the bachelor. It's not like, this is a sideshow. They don't make any money off it. So if I was a player, I have every right to say, I'm not getting cut on fucking TV. And I'm glad that Joe Douglas and the Jets, whether it was for reasons uh, of gamesmanship or they actually have a heart, don't want to do that. And I think it's really fucking funny because I said good on the Jets yesterday on Twitter and I immediately got the responses that I knew I would get, which was like, how dare you take this right away from us, the fans? What did they do to deserve to waive this right? Um, you know, has America gone soft? All the predictable stuff. Like, the world is so soft now. And to that I say, I enjoy those tweets just as much as you enjoy watching players get cut. Like, this is my watching players get cut. Watching fans squirm that they don't get to see a player that they may or may not resent. We talked about that earlier. You know, like, you guys are overpaid babies playing a kid's game. This is the moment for them that they get to say, ha-ha, motherfucker. I see, you. I see you getting cut on national TV. You're just like me. You'll never understand what it's like to be them. And this is a moment that I think should be off limits, and I don't care how much you cry about it. And why don't we go down to wherever you work and put you on camera getting fired from insert your job? Well, you know? what they'd say, Reed, is they'd say, well, I don't make millions. Right. And to that I'd say, well, you know, these guys, again, are not making millions because of hard knocks. So they make right. millions because of the game. You already bought a ticket to the game, okay? You you have every right to complain about somebody giving effort or, you know, somebody's performance. But when it crosses over into this stuff, uh, you don't have a leg to stand on. Yeah, and not, and not for nothing. The guys yeah, the guys who are getting cut, they're not making millions. Like, they're, they're, not making millions. they're losing their exactly. jobs. Like, they're fired. And it's like the yeah. end of their career for some. Like, I mean, for some right. of those guys, it's like, hey, this is my one chance. I've never gotten paid. And, oh, now I'm finding out I never will go get paid and I'm going to have to do some normal guy job. It's like putting the worst moment of somebody's life on TV. And I get why, as a viewer, it's interesting. But I think that that'll curry a lot of favor with the Jets players and probably set the standard going forward. Because once they do this this year with the Jets, like why would any other team go back the other way? It would look so unplayer friendly. Well, it's society now and there's some good things about it and there's some bad things about it. I think this is a good thing in this situation where somebody's like, hey, this is wrong. And then everybody's like, OK, I'm afraid to be wrong. You know, and you set a precedent and you're like, well, the Jets already the Jets already set the market on morality here. So we'll see what happens. Um, I, I know who's watching at home the most pissed off about this. The guy that brought a girl home to his uh, his dorm room and Fisher cut him a couple years ago. Like guys <laughs> like that are like, what the fuck? You know, I, I I'm already three years into being like all the people that were pointing at the screen. Like I am that guy now. Uh so it's pretty it's pretty funny the timing of it. Some guys are probably pissed, but um, I do think it's the right thing. Like, how does your life change if you don't see a player getting cut? I was entertained by it. 
not gonna lie, I like chaos and the whole thing. So like, if you put it on TV, I'm gonna watch it, but uh, I'm not gonna complain if you take it away because I know what it's about. Um, okay, I got cut yeah, real quick. I got cut on the telephone. You know, Jeff Fisher, who's my boy, he just called me on the phone and we were off the phone in like five minutes. <laughs> we were off the phone so quick. You know, it was just like, it was two minutes on me and James Laronitis getting cut. You know, going to lower both our little caskets into the ground today. Uh, oh, Jared Cook too. So it was like, it was a three person funeral. And then it was like, so you getting out, uh, you getting outside lately, Chris, you got any big hikes planned? And I was like, well, fish, it's been, it's been real. Uh, but you know, like that's, I was lucky. I've made a lot of money. I played a lot of great football in St. Louis. Like, yeah, I was happy to move on. It was fine. But for a lot of these guys, it ain't like that, as you pointed out. So a um, couple of tidbits from the NFL that I thought were interesting. Like, number one, Highsmith up in uh, – Alex Highsmith up in Pittsburgh, who I've talked about really liking, just got paid. Uh, love that. I think he's underrated. I You know, I haven't seen – Alex Highsmith on any of these lists, you know, like, you know, you got your top 10 rushers, your honorable mentions, your people receiving votes. I don't know if he received a vote, but his production is what stands out. And they needed somebody to come step in for Bud Dupree, right? Like Bud Dupree left a huge void. This guy's physical. He can do a couple different things, but he can really rush. So congrats he, he to played him. well while TJ Watt was out too. Like he was, he was yeah. like a number one rusher last year for most of the season. And I yeah. think, again, that, like, that goes back to, you know, you talk about opportunities in the NFL, and some guys get more than others. I mean, like, you know, I was a high-drafted guy. I got a lot of opportunities. Some guys, you know, they get their little opportunity, and you got to make the most of it right away. And, you know, he, he was already, a, you know, an established guy. But when a T.J. Watt is out, everybody's looking at you. Like, were you the benefactor? Um, can you carry this defense without him? And obviously, you'd like to have both of them, but I think he did a really nice job and probably has a lot to do with why he made this money. So Zach Martin uh, might be a holdout. Uh, and it was really funny reading, I, you know, I'm like fishing for replies. Like usually somebody holds out and everybody's like, you know, it's the same thing we talked about with <laughs> yeah. the Jets. It's like, you know, eat your food and be happy, right? Like you're rich. But with Zach Martin, it was a lot of like, I don't love this when players do it, but... <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I don't need to say any more than that. Um, I think it's brilliantly timed by his 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 squad. You know, yeah. uh, Nolan pointed out he was just a 99 overall uh, in Madden. <laughs> He's joined the 99 club again. He's number one guard in all these lists. You know, you can talk about a guy like Quentin Nelson, who I'm obsessed with. Love the guy. He's dealt with injuries the past couple of years. Do you know how hard it is to to maintain the level of play that this guy has? for the amount of time that he had. This is what the Hall of Fame looks like, you yeah. know? You Six the Hall of Famer, I mean, it's fucking automatic. You know, I my dad used to tell me, guys that go in the Hall of Fame, they got to be the best at their position for a period of time. This guy's been the best of his position for as long as I can remember. And he's been solid. He's been steady. And he's making the eighth most out of all guards. So he has, like, a running back-like gripe here. And probably then some. So we'll, I don't think they let this thing linger, but I just wanted to point out that, like, he's not just a big guy. He's also very smart because the timing of announcing this is right on the money. Little fun news uh, with the NFL to finish out. I mean, Blake Martinez, who left the game, who I thought was a nice player, dude. Yeah, he had I mean, good years. 
Especially in Green Bay. You, you know how hard it is to have that kind of production in the NFL, especially not being a guy that, that you know, is thought of as more of a rotational guy or a guy that, that you know, isn't one of your horses. Like, to get the amount of rushes you need to do that, to be as successful as he was. And then to leave the game, like Chris Borland retired early because of his head. Like, you know, so, you know, Pat Tillman went to the military. Um, fucking Blake Martinez is doing Pokemon, dude. He left to go. What is he doing? Flipping Pokemon cards? He made millions of dollars doing Pokemon? Yeah. So far this past year, he's made $11.5 from his uh, company called Blake's Breaks. Basically flipping Pokemon cards and, like, showing them opening Pokemon packs and stuff like that. He's hired, like, five full-time employees as a whole business. Holy shit, dude. What are the full-time employees for? <laughs> uh, they got to track the commodities. They got to track the prices of all these things so they can sell them right, buy them low, you know? So he's not the he's not the brains behind it. He's I think he's the brains. He's just like he just, you know, getting some competent people of, by his side. Yeah. There's a lot They're of squirtles. There's a lot of squirtles out there. There's a lot of different squirtles, a lot of different damage rates and that sort of mm -hmm. thing. Yeah, he made thirty million in his career. He's made almost twelve million this year, and made more off Pokemon cards than a star running back might make in his whole career. That's unbelievable. That is unbelievable. Ah, oh, good for him, dude. I, I'm happy when people, you know, like you. That's the type of thing you tell your parents. Like, I'm not going to college. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna become a poet. I'm going to sell my art by the pier in San Francisco. Like I'm going to, I'm leaving the NFL, babe. If he's married, how did that conversation go? I really want to sell these Pokemon cards. I'm going to make $10 million a year doing it. good for good for Blake Martinez, man. We got to get him on facts and the King, by the way. Exactly. Yeah. Facts would be exciting. Dr. Facts. He's going to be obsessed with, with this guy. Does I he... think facts has brought up Blake Martinez every single time <laughs> yeah. Pokemon has been mentioned. That's like, how I know about I him. Do that? I want to do that. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, what is the secret sauce here? You know, like, uh, fuck, dude. Uh, maybe Cassius Marsh is going to make a boatload of money on Magic the <laughs> Gathering after his career. You know? He, uh, Blake Martinez said, um, every single day when I wake up, my shoulder doesn't hurt. My back doesn't hurt anymore. The only thing that hurts is are my fingers from opening a thousand cards of uh, packs <laughs> exactly. of cards per day. You can get carpal tunnel doing that. Yeah. Um, the, 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 last, uh, the last thing is this uniform stuff. I think people are waking up, man. We had this period of like 2000, 2020, where, you know, it started with the Rams and going to like navy blue and that disgusting gold that I had to wear on my pants, Reebok gold pants. Like, People just went more muted. Golds got popular. Like pewter was in the mix. It was everything was like dark navy. It was like you were marketing to 50 year old guys that wanted to wear a hoodie and didn't want to wear it in creamsicle. They didn't want to wear it in, you know, what? I, and I just think that whole era is, is ending, man. Like people are looking to go backwards. It's just you can't open the floodgates all at once. Like look at this Eagles situation. You know, I can remember when the Rams had to wear like a white helmet on their throwback jerseys, like a, a Merlin and Olsen on a, on an Eric Dickerson setup. And you're like, this is stupid. The NFL has to figure this out. Like you gotta be able to wave a wand and just open the floodgates. But 
Uh, it looks like we're headed in the right direction because we've heard, you know, creamsicles are back this year. Uh, we have heard now that the Cleveland Browns and seen that they're going to have an all white with a white helmet and it looks fucking awesome. You know, I love all white Seahawks uh, too. White Seahawks are going to, and I think they can wear it as much as they want too, which is a wrinkle yeah. that I'm not aware of. Why can't the bucks wear the creamsicles as much as they want? Anyways, the bottom line is teams have to go backwards. The Eagles have talked about Kelly green out of all the teams that don't have impending full-time throwback kind of deals in the works. Like, I don't think the Eagles need to go back to Kelly Green all the time, right? Could be an alternate for them because there's been a lot of history made in the midnight, and it looks great. I think midnight looks great. Um, Kelly Green's probably more electric, but sometimes you put them on the players and you're like, oh, that didn't look as good as it looked on paper and these, like, uh, mock-ups that people edit together. These are my top... Uh, five teams that need to go back full time to their throwbacks. Okay. Number one, the Los Angeles Rams. Okay. Like the new, the new uniforms. I was tough on them. Everybody thought it looked like detergent, the logo, the whole thing. I get it. You wanted a new look. The Eric Dickerson's are elite and they are much better than what you got right now. The Falcons, man, go back to Jeff George's call it a day. This new shit is like Grady Jarrett likes it a little bit, but I don't know if anybody else likes it. Uh, Arthur Smith seemed kind of lukewarm on it uh, during our interview. Um, the Patriots, go back to the Reds yes. right now. Just do it. You look great. It's a new era. You might can, Bill. Go back. Go back to the, uh, the tippets. Um, let's go Saints, okay? Every time they throw on their throwbacks, they look great. Um I think sometimes, you know, these teams that are just like, fuck it, we'll just make our colors black. You know, that was a very turn of the century thing where everybody, every high school was like, uh, can we incorporate some black? And then before you knew it, like my high school, we were maroon and white and we had black uniforms. Like, where did that come from? Okay. This is a team that it doesn't quite work on. I think the, the, um, I think the throwbacks are their best look. And then lastly, the Miami Dolphins. Probably the best roster in the AFC. Probably the best roster in the AFC. I'm not saying team. Okay. Definitely the best Bengals, roster in the Bengals. AFC East, in my opinion. Uh, you think the Bengals have the best uh, roster? AFC, AFC East, yeah. But Bengals yeah. probably for me. You think so? I, I You know. Uh, for another defense. time. Lost some know. pieces on defense. You know, their Bengals secondary is. Lost pieces on defense, and that's where Miami has, has read up, dude. They've, they've, and, and just adding Fangio, I just. Suffice to say, this could be the year for y'all, okay? If y'all – and I don't want to get too far into the old issues here. If, if the old issues don't come up, this could be the year for y'all. You want to look good doing it, man. You got some of the best throwbacks, throw them on again. So that's my top five teams that need to go back full-time to the throwbacks. I don't know if I missed anybody, but the Falcons, the Rams, the, the Patriots, the Saints, and the Dolphins, to me, are the teams that should go full-time back to the throwbacks. The Titans need uh, the Titans have great throwbacks like they're from the Oilers days. Listen, and they could just throw a little bit of that color in there too. That'd I'd love to. Perfect. I'd love. I'd love for them to go back to the Oilers, but you couldn't justify it full time. You couldn't have like a, you know an oil tower uh, on a Titans helmet. You know what I mean? Like they branded right, right. themselves out of it. Yeah, yeah. Just that color though. The color, just the light blue with the with the, the trims red. is just just yeah. It's clean. beautiful. It's beautiful when D Hop. 
uh, when D Hop wears that deal this year, it's going to look amazing because he used to wear it in uh, in uh, well, they don't do they not wear those anymore? The Oilers throwbacks. No, um, because so. I've seen D Hop in the Oilers throwbacks, and it looks damn good. I mean, you're looking at it. So, it's one of anyways, those Twitter edits. That is that is that concludes football talk, and we'll be back Tuesday. Wow.